0: We are doing a convinced series. I am convinced, and I found that convince people, convince people. Change people, change people. Forgiven people, forgive people. Save people, save people. Found people, find people. Do I need to go on? If it's in you, it fl- overflows, and it flows out of you And it touches the lives around you. If you got your Bible tonight, let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, I want to launch from where we left off this morning. Isaiah 55 verse 8, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. They're not even remotely close. Just in case you think they're close, here God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. They're far and beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, how I many know there's a great distance? For as just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they are, somebody say it, they are, come on, somebody say it with conviction, they are. They are higher than your thoughts. John chapter 14, verse six says, Jesus told them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. How many know God is, Jesus is not our way, but He's the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through me, through Jesus. You know, when it comes to life, many people have their way, but on the other side, there's God's way. And in the end, you know, life is found when we surrender our way and we embrace God's way, God's desires for our life. You know, many people come to Jesus and they want to have a blend of their way and God's way. Life doesn't work when you have a blend and a hybrid. Life works when you follow God's way. Because Jesus, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to God except through Him. If you got your Bible, let's go down to James chapter 1. James 1. Verse two, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, how many have had troubles come their way before? Listen to this, it says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's a strange way to think about something. But how many know God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts? When trouble comes your way, you have an opportunity to be happy. Because if you do the math from a divine perspective, God's gonna work it out and He's gonna cause something great to come from that trouble and you have a reason to get happy. Consider an opportunity for great joy for when you know that when your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance, a chance to grow, so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Well, there's a miracle right there. Verse five, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous Father, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure. Somebody say, Be sure. Be sure, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. They are unstable in everything they do. The title of my message tonight is If you don't doubt it, be about it. If you don't doubt it, be about it. I love the book of James because in the book of James there's great wisdom as to how we can live out this life that God's called us to. You know, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to be a believing believer. fact, one person said the only Bible you believe is the one you're prepared to walk out, the one you're prepared to live out. And James, he highlights, he says, faith without actions, without works, is dead. It's meaningless. It's all right, they have faith, but if you don't have works, it doesn't count for much. And so he gives us great wisdom and Here right at the beginning of James, he says, come on, I want you to ask for wisdom. I want you to ask for insight. I want you to ask believing in your heart. So often in life, we can come against obstacles. We we can be restricted. But the thing restricting us is not what's outside of us, it's what's in us. Now, this morning, we addressed one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue, which holds us back from entering God's grace, and that's pride. That's why we said, you know, don't let your ego be your amigo. I know they cheesy statements, uh, but I pray they will lodge in your spirit and you won't forget it. Don't let your ego be your amigo, because God, He resists the proud, and He gives grace to the humble. And so it amazes me how many people are proud that they don't have pride. Now, you've got to go to the Bible to discover really what pride is. In fact, a lot of our insecurities, they are rooted in pride. How many have ever felt insecure from time to time? You know, lift up your hand. Those who didn't lift their hand are insecure. <laughs> uh, and, and they're rooted in pride because when you're insecure, you're thinking about yourself. That's front and center of your mind. And the Bible says God, He resists the proud, but He gives grace, He gives grace to the humble. Sometimes in life, we're restricted, not because we're unwilling to follow God, it's that we follow God hesitantly. Uh, Some of us, yeah, our heart wants to go on a journey with God, but when it comes to following him, we, we hesitate. How, how many know you can do a lot of damage when you hesitate? Uh, you ever driven with a hesitant driver? You know, he's like, oh, oh, at an intersection. Nobody knows what they're gonna do. You know, they, they, they oh, uh, and you're behind them. And it's like they, they go to go, but then they stop. And then they go to go and go. How many know some drivers like that? that they should get off the road. They should get hesitant drivers because nobody knows what you're gonna do. You know, or what about you're walking down the street and you're on the footpath and and you see one person coming towards you and and you hesitate as to which side you're gonna take. Yeah, 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 like that. And you end up kissing that person. Because you never chose a side. You didn't make a firm step. You hesitated. Come on, how many have ever done that before? Hesitation can do a lot of damage. How many have ever jumped off something but hesitated mid-air? You've caught yourself mid-air and you thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? And you've hesitated and you've hurt yourself because you didn't fully commit. Yeah, many of you have heard the story of me learning to do a backwards flip when I was nine years of age. You know, I thought I could do it. I could do it initially with somebody's help, but when they went away, they said, do it. And I thought, yeah, I can do it. Then you know, I bounced once, bounced twice, bounced a third time, launched myself in the air, hesitated, and as a result of hesitating, this beautiful face went in between the springs. <laughs> Don't hesitate. It will stuff you up. See, in the kingdom, you've got to understand delay is as dangerous as the wrong answer. I'll say that again. Delay is as dangerous as the wrong answer. Sometimes it's not that we're unwilling to follow. It's that we're hesitant In following. Uh, Listen to what Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3. It says, that's why the Holy Spirit says today. Somebody say today. today. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Now, why have we got the Old Testament and Israel's journey? It's simply there as a warning for you and I today. Uh, they, when they heard God's voice, that they rebelled and they hardened their hearts. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, God says, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. See, I, I wonder how many people here have experienced God's miraculous power working in their life. But yet, when they hear God's voice today, they hesitate. That's what the Israelites did. They saw God move. They saw God do miracles for 40 years. And as a result, verse 10, So I was angry with them and said, Their hearts also turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Verse 12, be careful then, brothers and sisters, make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. Somebody say every day. day. Not just Sunday, but every day. While it is still today, so none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we're faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believed, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. I found a moment of hesitation can cause you a lifetime of regrets. Here in this verse, it says evil and unbelieving heart. Many of us here would say, well, you know, I don't have an evil heart. Yeah, I know God set me free from my past. I'm the righteousness of God. My my heart's not evil. But here, the writer of Hebrews says, not just an evil heart, it says an unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart. How many times know we can come to times and spaces where we don't believe? And I believe the challenge of uh, of our, in our walk with God is to maintain a level of faith. See, when you hesitate to act on what God says, it's fatal. Doubt grows when you hesitate. Questions come in when you hesitate. See, if you can't serve God now while you're single, you're going to struggle to serve God when you're married. If you can't serve God now while you're a teenager, you're gonna struggle to serve God when you're in your 20s. If you can't serve God now when you're married and you got one kid, you're gonna struggle to serve God when you're married and you got two kids. See, if you can't serve God here and now in this moment, it's not like something's gonna change and make it easier. No, when you don't obey the voice of God, what happens is there comes a hardness in your heart and it becomes harder not easier. That's why hesitation is fatal. That's why hesitation is dangerous. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Come on, today, if God's given you a vision, get busy with that vision. If you don't doubt it, be about it. Get moving with that thing that God's purposed and promised you with. you got to do something with it. I got three things just quickly that we shouldn't hesitate in. Number one, don't hesitate to ask. James 1 verse five, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous Father and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God, how many going into the exams right now? How many need a little bit of wisdom? I wonder how many people are praying right now, God help me, I need your wisdom in this exam in Jesus' name. We, We can ask. The Bible says He will give it liberally. He will give it generously to us. You know, we're called to ask God. I I don't know what it was like in your family environment, but I hear in some families, if you ask, you get told off. But in the family of God, He calls us to ask. In fact, our faith is demonstrated by our asking. God takes pleasure when we ask Him to be involved, when we ask for wisdom, when we ask for big things. God, God's not a God in heaven going, oh no, they're asking too much. I don't have enough on supply. No, God calls us to ask. He says, ask for wisdom, and God will give it to you ri- liberally. He won't. It's not like Oliver and the, the, the head of the orphanage Please, sir, can I have some more? No, no, God's not gonna, he's gonna go, I'm gonna give it to you. If it's not gonna destroy you, if it's gonna keep you and, and, and help you at work, the call I have on your life, why wouldn't I give it to you? Come on, we serve a generous God in heaven. And the level of our faith to the level we're convinced, we will ask. When you're not convinced, you will hesitate when it comes to asking. Listen to what he says Uh, in James chapter 4. We're going to jump around James a little bit. James chapter 4 verse 1, it says, What's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So in other words, your problem's not outside of you, it's in you. Stop focusing on the outside. Again, we learned it's not outside in, the kingdom is inside out. The issues are within you, they come from within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're so jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't have it because you don't ask who for it? See, you want to take it from somebody else, but you're struggling to go to the source. You don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. We serve a God in heaven who wants to give us good things, who wants to bless our life, who wants to fulfill our vision, who wants it. Now, we've got to ask God. Now, we can be confident if our heart is aligned to His purpose and we're asking with the right heart and the right motives, God's going to come through. God's going to perform. 99% of the time, you can be assured God will come through. So why are you hesitating? Why are you holding back? Because God says He'll do it. You don't have it because you don't ask for it. Some of you right now, your family's not saved simply because you're not asking God to save your family. For some of you, you know, God's not working in your class, in, in your university, because you haven't asked God. You haven't come to God and asked for it. Some of you right now are struggling with sickness in your body, and you're struggling with sickness simply because you haven't asked God to heal you. Some of you got debts, and, and, and they're piling up, and, and you're going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ask God. Ask God for wisdom. Let Him instruct your heart. Why, why just deal with it on a human level when you've got the God of the universe who's wanting to be involved in every aspect of your life? We're called to ask. Why are you hesitating? You know, when a friend's in need, we often say, don't hesitate to ask. Don't hesitate. A God in heaven is saying, don't hesitate to ask. I'm there for you. We serve El Shaddai. Not our Shaddai. He's not asleep to your need. He's our Shaddai. He's the God of plenty, the God of so much more. Yeah, God's like this waterfall, it's never ending. Come on, how many have ever been to the Hooker Falls? You know, the Hooker Falls is just like this volume of water coming over these rocks and it never ceases to end. You know, I went there as a young child, but if I was to go there today, it's like, whoa, where's all this water coming from? You know, still water's pouring over those rocks, even when I'm sleeping. Uh, volumes, uh, thousands of cubic meters of water or whatever, just pouring over. You now the problem is, what we do is we stand at the bottom of the waterfall and say, God, fill my cup. Fill my cup. Fill my cup. <laughs> And God comes and He fills our cup. We're no longer smoking, we're off drugs, and we're in church. And we stop there. Do you know the challenge in Christianity now is to get a bigger container? Because if He can fill a cup, He can fill a bucket. If He can fill a bucket, come on, He can fill something much bigger. And some of you right now, you're limited in your walk simply because you're not asking. You come in with your little cup, God, fill my cup. Fill my cup. You know, I just need my cup filled. No, God wants to fill containers. He wants to fill your life, your neighbor's life, your friend's life. Come on, He wants to fill this city. We need to be a church that has an ask that goes beyond our borders and says, God, you can do something amazing. We're asking you for the city. We're asking you for this nation. You call us to ask for the nations, and you say you'll give it to us as our inheritance. That's what the psalmist said. Why are you asking for something so small when God has so much on offer? Don't hesitate to ask. People who get caught up in sin, is simply because they're missing what God has. David did that. He held back from going on battle and he got himself into a whole lot of trouble. Nathan, the prophet, he comes along and he has a job of confronting the king. I mean, no, it's dangerous confronting the king because the king can say at his word, you're dead. You're out of here. So Nathan, he's smart. He tells a story. He tells a story about this guy. But in the story, really, he's talking about David. And in the story, there's a villain. And David doesn't actually realize that he's the villain in the story. How many know we like to see ourselves as a good guy in a story? I like what Jordan says. We read the Bible like we're the good person in it. But maybe every now and then we're not the good person. Uh, Maybe we're, and, and, and here in the story, David's the villain. And David, he gets mad at the villain. And he goes, who is he? And this is where Nathan lands it in 2 Samuel 12, 7. It says, "Then Nathan said to David, You're that man. Boom. That's a moment right there. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed, listen to this, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Listen to this. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much more. Why, David? Why did you have to commit murder and commit adultery? Why? I gave you everything. I gave you all this stuff. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why did you have to go outside of my boundaries? If only you asked, I would have come and met that need. If you only you ask, I'll come and satisfy you. If only you ask. Why didn't you ask? I reckon a lot of people who get enticed and entangled in sin are simply people who haven't understand, understood that were called to ask. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't hesitate to ask. Don't hesitate to ask. Number two, don't hesitate to choose. Don't hesitate to ask. Number two, don't hesitate to choose. Verse six of James one, it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. And who? In God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now, there's nothing worse than being with a person who's unsure whether they want to be with you. You know, it's like, oh, I'll settle, but if there's another option, I'm going somewhere else. As the saying goes, if you hesitate between me and the other person, don't choose me. You know, I'm not your fallback option. I want to say that to young people. If you're going out with somebody and they're still looking over the fence, you got issues. Now, if you hesitate between me and another person, don't choose me. Go, go choose that other person. I want somebody who wants to be here. Yeah, <laughs> you've all heard the story of uh, when Kathy and I were going out, and um, I broke up with Kathy. Uh, I wasn't her. E, I, I was her E group leader, should I say? And uh, driving home from E group, I was dropping her off, and uh, and uh, I used a, a line. It wasn't the smartest line, I just said. I said to her, I don't see you in my future. (laughs) Forgive me, please. Because those words uh, have come back a number of times in my life. (laughs) My daughters know those lines well. And whenever we hit an impasse, they go, I don't see you in my future. My smartest move, anyway. You know, I had some things I needed to sort out, and I just thought I needed to sort those out, and I, I was unsure. But there came a time where I was sure. I, I knew she was the one. She always was sure. But I had to come groveling back on my knees and, and say, I, I'm convinced. You're the one. You're the one. And we knew. You know, we got their advice, you know, once you know, don't delay the inevitable. You don't need money to have a wedding. Just get get on with it. If you don't doubt it, be about it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so so we got married as students. And uh, I chose Kathy and she chose me. How many know uh, that one decision made a whole lot of decisions for me? That one decision. I I don't need to make a whole lot of decisions now because I'm convinced I've made this one decision and then a whole lot of decisions automatically flow from that decision. I didn't have many options. But all her options were removed. When she made that decision, she chose me. She wasn't flirting with anything else. She didn't go there. It wasn't like, oh, there's still my be. No, I made that decision, and and I commit to that decision. See, see, when you're convinced God's brought you together, when you got it down on the inside, you don't waver. Uh, You have an unshakability about you. And and it's the same when you give your life to Jesus. Because you give your life. And how many know, you You don't have to decide what happens with your money. Because your money is part of your life. And, and once you've given your life to Jesus, that includes everything about your life. You don't have to make decisions about your time because you gave your life. And when God says, I want you first, I want you best, I want you to prioritize me in your life. it's Okay. Because I made that decision when I gave my life to Jesus. I I don't need to wake up on a Sunday morning and decide whether I'm going to church or not. Because I gave my life to Jesus. And the Bible tells me not to forsake the gathering together as some of them in the habit of doing, but do it even more as you see the day approaching. So in making that decision, this decision was made. Don't, Don't hesitate in your choosing. See, the longer you hesitate, the quicker others will decide for you. Yeah, really, most people hesitate simply because, number one, they procrastinate Yeah, you know, And procrastinators want the result without the cost. When you procrastinate, you're thinking, oh, there must be an easier way of doing this. And you don't want to pay the cost. That's at the heart of procrastination. Uh, the second reason is, is because a lot of us are just scared as to what others will think. Well, if I choose this way, man, what are others going to think? What's going to go on? Do you know the fear of man is a snare? That's what Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Trusting in God. And so often, we're scared to choose, because if we choose and others don't choose, oh, I might be by myself. I might get criticized. I might get ridiculed. But if you can't follow God by yourself, in the end, it's not going to last. See, we're, we're called to live for God by ourselves. But we're also called into community. God places us into community. But first, it's got to start in you. And if it hasn't started in you, it's never going to flow through you. And that's why the Bible says clearly, it says, choose, choose. Choose between life, death, blessing, cursing. I've set these before you, God says. Now you choose. I think those choices are pretty easy. Death, life, death, life, blessing, cursing. Come on, it's not rocket science. Choose blessing. Choose life. Come on, choose. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're gonna serve the Lord. I've chosen. I've made this decision. And then everything else flows from that decision. How many know in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah was a messed up place? It was a messed up place. And in the end, it was only because of Abraham Lot and his wife were rescued from it. Uh, listen to this passage of scripture uh, Genesis 19, verse 12. It says, This is meanwhile, the angels question Lot because they're wanting to take him out of the city. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They ask, Get them out of this place your sons in law, sons, daughters, and anyone else. For we are about to destroy the city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and He has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughters, fiances, quick, get out of the city. The Lord's about to destroy it. But the young men thought that he was only joking. I mean, no, the word of God's not a joke. Yeah, verse 15: At the dawn of the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, and you'll be swept, uh, or you'll be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, "Run for your lives and do not look back." or stop anywhere in the valley, escape to the mountains, or you will be swept away. I I think this is a picture of God's mercy. Now, we're heading down roads to destruction. Now, pride doesn't lead to a fall. If you read the verse in context, pride leads to destruction. It will destroy your life when you've got pride in your heart. And God, in His mercy, comes and gets us. But the problem is, sometimes we look back. Yeah. And Lot's wife, even when she was being rescued, she looked back. Even when the angel commanded them not to look back. And in verse 26, it said, wife's lot, Lot's wife, not wife's Lot, well, <laughs> Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. You know, some of us right now, We're in danger of being a pillar uh, pillar of salt simply because we're looking back. We're hedging our bets. Hedging your bets, it's like I got a mortgage and my mortgage broker recommended that I split my mortgage up into a whole lot of separate mortgages so, so that I could hedge my bets when it comes to the rates. If the rates rise, it doesn't mean my whole mortgage goes to a whole nother level. So I got a whole lot of different rates. It's hedging my bets that's what a lot of people do with Jesus as well, they, they hedge their bets, well if this Jesus thing doesn't work out, at least I've got this other thing to go to, at least I've got this in the background, I always can fall back on that. No, if you're following Jesus, you need a release plan B, and you need to follow Him with your whole heart in Jesus' name. Don't be hesitant to choose, don't hesitate to ask, but to live fully committed to God, well, here we go. I've said, don't be, uh, last one is don't hesitate to commit. Commit. I jumped ahead. I'm going, no, I'm not going back and forth. Here we go. <laughs> Verse six, it says, James chapter one. So we said, don't hesitate to ask. Don't hesitate to choose. Don't hesitate to commit. Verse six, don't waver for a person with divided lo- loyalty is unsettled as the wavers, see, blown, tossed into, earth. Blown, blown and tossed by the wind. Such people, listen to this, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. You know, so often we come to God and we've got these, these things in our background that hold us back. You know, what we don't understand, though, is the opposite of, of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. You know, when somebody hates you, you know where they stand. But there's nothing worse than being in a relationship where somebody's indifferent. And you don't know whether they love you or hate you. And indifference... And passivity is the worst place. Because you're tossed to and fro, and you can't expect anything from God because you haven't made a commitment. There's nothing worse, you know, in a marriage and being in an indifferent relationship. You know, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, what's that? That there's an emptiness when it comes to indifference. And many people in their walk with God find they don't get anything from God because they're indifferent when it comes to His promise. They're indifferent when it comes to His purpose. They're indifferent when it comes to even church. They're indifferent when it comes to to reaching out to other people. It's, I'll take it or leave it. No, no. this is what we're being called to. This is what we're being mandated to do. This is the reason for our existence. We can't be indifferent We can't falter between two opinions. We can't hesitate when it comes to taking the gospel to a broken world. God saved our life. See, people who waver, people who waver never move forward. People who waver, they don't flourish because they're always holding out for a better option. And you can't move forward while you're still looking back. Now, such people, listen to this, should not expect to receive anything from God. I want to say, stop dating God. Stop just flirting with God. Stop looking to God to be a friend with benefits. Come on, connect yourself, commit your heart fully to the purpose of God. Fully to His plan. You have your way, you have God's way. God's way out out trumps, I shouldn't use that word. (laughs) But it's better than your way any day as far as the earth is from the heavens. God's got a plan for your life that exceeds your imagination. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Or imagine. But the only way you're going to discover that is when you commit. It's not when you have one foot here and one foot over there. You know, too many people straddle. They straddle all the time. Over here, over here. You know, you're in danger of getting kicked in the midsection when you straddle. (laughs) Uh, Life will kick you there. Because you've got one here, one here. Come on, know where you're going. Move forward. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. He knows the thoughts He thinks towards you. The plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. He's convinced about them. Come on, align your heart. Align your motives. Set your course. Determine, I'm going to live for God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to hesitate. We're not going to hold back. We're not going to waver. No, we're people of conviction. We're people of faith. I'm going to come to God, and I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask God for not small things. I'm going to ask Him for big things. I'm going to choose Him on a daily basis. I'm going to commit my life to serving Him. Don't waver. You'll be a victim of your circumstance. Live full of God's promise and His purpose for your life in Jesus' name. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say if you don't doubt it, be about it. you got to get moving. you got to get moving in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, how many are convinced Jesus is Lord? Come on, how many are convinced He's our Savior? How many are convinced He's the hope for humanity? Come on, I need a convincing clap right now if you believe He's the hope of all humanity. How many are convinced that God wants to save this city? Come on, I want you to show that you're convinced. Come on, if you're convinced God wants to save a city, come on, how about giving them a shout of praise right now? Come on, let's let every demon in hell know that we're not gonna be held hostage to doubt any longer. We're not going to waver. We're not going to be weak-kneed, fickled, and potent Christians. Come on, we're going to be full of His power. And we're going to take God at His word. And we're convinced if God's for us, nothing can be against us in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm convinced God's hands on your life. I'm convinced you're born for such a time as this. I'm convinced that God wants you to make a difference. I'm convinced that this church is gonna explode in Jesus' name. I'm convinced that your neighbor's gonna get saved. I'm convinced that healings are gonna break out. I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Come on, I'm convinced. God, we lift up.